الله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise him Seek his assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah From the evil of ourselves And the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides There is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray There is no one that can guide him I bear witness <coughs> that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. I'd like to continue this evening in lecture number 23. In our series of lectures concerning the Sharh of Kitab al Tawheed, Alladhi Huwa Haqqullah Ala Al Abid, by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab ibn Sulaiman al Tamimi al Najdi, Rahimahullah. In this chapter, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, Rahimahullah, in which he has entitled it Bab Bayan Shayin. من أنواع السحر بيان the clarification of matters or some matters شيئا some of the things related to the various types or some of the types of السحر أنواع السحر and this the matters which he intends to clarify here is the reality of certain actions or practices that are considered as a part of sihr, magic or sorcery. What is the reality of those things and what is their ruling? And likewise in this chapter, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah intends to clarify some things that are part of sihr which do not share completely all of the rulings that we have mentioned previously in the previous bab, in the previous chapter concerning al-sihr. Yani the ruling concerning that sihr, that it is of different types. We mentioned that sihr is that which is, there is sihr which is kufr, and there is sihr which is fisk, and which is sinful and disobedience, and there is sihr which is kufr, disbelief, which is shirk, which takes the person out of Islam. And we also said that the ruling for the sahir, the magician or sorcerer, is death, that his head should be cut off. And here in this chapter, Imam Muhammad Imam Abdul Wahhab wants to clarify that there are certain matters, actions or practices which are considered as sihr. However, it might be a type of sihr in which the one who practices it is not a kafir or a mushrik who is out of Islam or who should be killed. And if there are certain rulings which are not shared, in every type, every now, min anwa sihr. There are some types of sihr, which indeed is kufr and shirk, and there are other types which are less than that. And likewise, he wants to clarify that there are certain types of sihr, certain actions or practices, which indeed, the reality of them is that they are sihr, in the sense that sihr is that which its cause or effect is something that is indetectable or unseen. And the cause of it is something that is not noticeable or seen. So everything whose cause or reason is unseen is considered linguistically as sihr. And for this reason the Prophet ﷺ declared certain types of actions or practices as sihr. The reality of that thing is that it is sihr. However, it may not necessarily reach the level of being kufr and shirk. And the one who engages in it may not necessarily be subject to being killed as a punishment. And some of these things are matters which the people do not realize that they are sihr. They are not known to be sihr. And for this reason, he says, bayan, clarification, shayin, of some of the things or some of the matters, min anwa'a sihr, of those types of sihr, which people might not know their reality or their ruling. 
The first evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is a hadith reported by Imam Ahmed rahimahullah. However, before mentioning this hadith, just briefly I want to say some introductory words. And this is related to the matter of the classification of hadith by the scholars of the people of Sunnah as being Sahih, Hasan, Da'if, and so on. That hadith has been classified into various categories after examination by the meticulous scholars of the Sunnah who determined those hadith which are unquestionably authentic and those which are less than that and those which, which, have, which are very doubtful in which they have been declared to be da'if or weak and those hadith which have been declared to be da'if or weak the ruling of the people of sunnah and the people of hadith concerning this is that they should not be used as a proof in the matters of aqidah nor in the matters of halal and haram that which is lawful and unlawful this is the general ruling of the people of sunnah that is agreed upon However, there is also a point of notice that we should keep in mind and that is that when the scholars of hadith said that a hadith is da'if, they don't necessarily mean that that hadith which is classified as da'if is absolutely not to be, it cannot be a saying of the Prophet but they mean to say that because it has some defect which causes us to doubt its authenticity, we classify it as da'if or weak in order to protect the Sharia from that which we are uncertain about. It very well might be that a hadith which has been classified as da'if, it could have been an authentic saying of the Prophet ﷺ, but because there is some defect in the narrators or break in the chain or other reasons for which the scholars classified it as da'if, we do not use it as a proof in our deen, in matters of aqidah, known halal or haram. However, since there is difference of opinion about some of these hadith in the uh, under the classification of da'if, some scholars differing and classifying them as hasan or hasan bi'ghayrihi and so on. Because of these differences, we'll find sometimes that some scholars have classified a hadith as da'if and others have classified it as hasan, as an acceptable hadith, which might have some weakness, but not to the extent that it should be rejected. And for this reason, some of them used it as a proof while others did not. So keeping this in mind, Two points, number one, that there's difference of opinion about some of the hadith, some of them being classified as weak by some, and by others being classified as hasan, there being a difference of opinion, therefore some of them using it and others not. And likewise, keeping in mind that even if there is agreement among the scholars upon a hadith as being classified as da'if, it doesn't mean absolutely that it is not a saying of the Prophet ﷺ. It is still possible that it could have been a authentic report from the Prophet ﷺ. However, due to the weakness in its transmission, we put it in the category of da'if and we don't use it as a proof. With that said, the first hadith, the hadith which has been reported by Imam Ahmed in his Musnad, it is a hadith which Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah, <coughs> declared to be hasan. Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah, said that this hadith is hasan. While al-Shaykh al-Albani declared this hadith to be weak. And some of the scholars pointed out <coughs> that one of the weaknesses of this hadith is that one of the narrators, Hayyan ibn al-Ala, he has not been certified as a reliable reporter except by al-Imam ibn Hibban. And those of you who studied the Mustalah hadith know that the narratives which are declared as reliable by Ibn Hibban alone are questionable because Ibn Hibban was somewhat lenient in giving a certification of reliability to a narrator. If no one else certified someone as being reliable, then his certification is not acceptable alone in and of itself. Likewise, Sheikh al-Bani declared that the narrators who reported this hadith is Isnad from Auf, one of the narrators in the chain that Imam Ahmed mentioned. They narrated from Auf from Hayyan ibn al-Ala by different names and for this reason Shaykh al-Bani said that this hadith it contains ibtirab shadid a serious ibtirab and a conflicting manner in which the hadith was reported where there is no way to reconcile between those conflicting manners of reporting the hadith and likewise there is no way to determine which one has precedence therefore the hadith is considered as mutarib which is a type of weak hadith and it should not be used should be rejected. So he said that this hadith has ibtirab shadid, severe ibtirab, conflict, which indicates that the narrator of the hadith didn't 
memorize it well or accurately and this was an indication of weakness of the hadith and he mentioned this in Ghayat al-Maram the takhrij of the hadith of halal wa haram on page 148 hadith number 301 so with this said there is a difference of opinion about this hadith Allahu a'lam but it appears as though the more correct opinion is that the hadith is indeed da'if even though al-imam al-Nawi declared it to be hadith so the author Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab says Qala Ahmed and in the chain of narration Haddathana Muhammad ibn Ja'fa Qala Haddathana Awf An Hayyan ibn Al-Ala Qala Haddathana Qatan ibn Qadisa Qadisa An Abihi Annahu Samia Al-Nabiya Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Qat Inna Al-Iyafa Wa Tarqa Wa Tiyarata Min Al-Jibti and Imam Ahmed narrates this hadith that the Prophet said that verily Al-Iyafa and as well Al-Tarqa and as well Al-Tiyarata that they are from Al-Jibti and we said previously that Al-Jibti has been, has been defined by various definitions from amongst them is that it is magic or sorcery Al-Iyafa it is putting birds in flight to determine whether something will be good or bad in terms of future events. Yani causing birds to fly and from their flight, from their movement, if they went right, the people used to think that something good is going to happen. If they went left, it means something bad is going to happen and so on. And from the movement of the birds, they claim that the, the direction of the birds is an indication of whether something good or bad is going to happen. This is Al-Iyafa. It includes two are things, التفاعل, that is, that something good will happen, a good omen, or تشاؤم, that something bad will happen, or a bad omen. And the second of these matters is التفرق, it is drawing lines in the sand or in the soil of the earth for purposes of magic. I need to do some act of magic through the drawing of lines on the sand. And also it is used to uncover that which is hidden, or to reveal something from the knowledge of the unseen, ilm al-ghayb, that is the knowledge of Allah alone. And if they claimed that through drawing lines on the sand, they could find something that was hidden, and they could know something of the unseen knowledge, the ilm al-ghayb that belongs to Allah alone. As for al-tiyarah, it is taking something which is seen or heard, or certain times or places, it should be certain times or places, as bad omens. And if something... When someone sees something, an animal or bird or anything, or hears something, or a certain time or a certain place, they consider that time, like the month, for example, the month of Safar, they consider it as a bad omen, so they wouldn't travel in that time. Or another month, for example, they consider it as a bad omen and they wouldn't marry in that time, and so on. And if they considered that certain time or place, or a certain thing that was seen, or noise or sound that was heard, that these Incidences or these occurrences indicated bad omens. This is a tiara. And a tiara, it is similar to al ayafa except that a tiara is more general. Al ayafa is related to the movement of birds alone, while a tiara is anything that is seen or heard or a certain time or place that they claim indicates يعني, a sign of a bad omen. In Egypt, it is the yani, practices of magic, or it has also been said that Egypt, as it has been reported from Al-Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, that Egypt, it means run to shaitan, or the sound, or the voice of shaitan. Uh, and some of the scholars, Shaykh al-Uthaymin, rahimahullah, said that the voice of shaitan, it means wahi shaitan. That is that shaitan inspires his followers for those who obey him and who worship him. He inspires them uh, to do certain things or not to do something. The transmission of this asr from al-Hasan al-Basri has been reported in the tafsir ibn Kathir in these words that Egypt is run to shaitan, the sound or voice of shaitan, while in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed it has been reported from al-Hasan al-Basri rahimahullah that Egypt is innahu shaitan yani that he said that Egypt it is shaitan in any case the meanings are similar and there is no conflict between saying that Egypt is shaitan or the voice of shaitan or the inspiration of shaitan 
to those who he intends to command or those who follow him. The Shaykh says concerning the meaning of this hadith that since the Muslims in the beginning of Islam were still to a great extent following the habits and customs of Jahiliyyah, yani that, they had, that they had taken on in the past. In the beginning of Islam, many of those practices and customs and ideas remained with them. For this reason, Islam instituted or legislated for the purification of the people from those superstitions and falsehoods and those superstitions which didn't have any basis in any legal proof, didn't have any proof in the Quran or Sunnah for their belief, that superstitious belief. Nor was there any rational, any sound rational proof from the intellect that substantiated such superstitions. Nor was there any practice or anything that could be determined from actual experience to substantiate these superstitions or false beliefs. For this reason, Islam legislated the ways to to purify the people from such things. And from amongst those things which Islam removed from uh, the people's minds by declaring it as being from sihr or jib or from the actions of sihr or the actions of shaitan from amongst them is al-ayyafa that is causing the birds to move or to fly and then taking this as a sign, a portent or an omen of something any good or bad to happen that will happen in the future to them likewise from those things is al-tarq and it is drawing lines in the sand or throwing stones upon the sand and they claim that the effect of this is that they were able to do some uh, magic or they were able to uncover something of the unseen through drawing lines the third of them, Atiyara, he said it is Tasha'um, that is bad omen that when someone saw or heard something that they took it as a sign of something bad going to happen and they changed their minds instead of doing what they were going to do it caused them to refrain from it so the Prophet ﷺ made it clear that these three things are part of sihr sorcery or magic uh, and as we know it is already agreed it is already agreed upon amongst the Muslims by the evidences from the Sharia that whoever engages in sihr, whether learning it or teaching it, that this is haram. It is obligatory to avoid it and to, cl- to declare ourselves innocent of it and from those who engage in it. And to declare ourselves innocent of sihr and whatever is a part of it as well as those who practice it. From the benefits of this hadith, the Shaykh mentions the clarification of three types of sihr, that is al-iyafa, al-tarq, and al-siyara. That these are three of the types of sihr. And number two, the prohibition of al-sihr. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion uh, is that this hadith indicates that these three things, ayafa and farq and siyara, this hadith indicates that they are sihr. And the relationship between this hadith and al-tawheed is that this hadith makes us to know that these three things are sihr and sihr has as its foundation as shirk, and therefore whoever engages in it falls into shirk, which is the nullification of a tawheed. The second evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Amr al-Wahhab mentions is the hadith of Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, قال, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم He said that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said من اقتصب من اقتبس شعبة من النجوم من اقتبس شعبة من النجوم يعني whoever learns or takes part in a branch of النجوم meaning the علم النجوم the sciences of the stars or the planets or the heavenly bodies that is astrology Whoever learns a branch of the branches of al-Nujum, ilm al-Nujum, al-Tanjim, astrology, فَقَدْ اِقْتَبَثَ شُعْبَةً مِنَ السِّهْرِ زَادَ مَا زَادَ Then the person who does so, and they have learned 
a branch of magic, of sorcery. Zada, mazada, meaning as much as he learns this astrology, to that extent he will also increase in his learning asihr, and thereby he will increase his sins. He says, the author says, Rawahu Abu Daud wa Isnaduhu Sahih. It has been reported by Abu Daud and its chain of narration is Sahih and it is so. Here, the general meaning of this hadith, the Shaykh says, when we understand that al-ghayb, the unseen, is of those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reserved for himself. The knowledge of the unseen is of those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reserved for himself. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he nullifies every attempt to uncover or to come to know the secrets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from amongst those things that are from the secrets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are that which they claim to learn by a tanjim. Yani the knowledge that they claim to come to know through the study of the heavenly bodies, the movement of heavenly bodies, the Tanjim, the stars and the planets, uh, through which they claim to examine the conditions of the heavenly bodies and through the movements of the heavenly bodies they come to know something about events or occurrences that take place on earth. That is that the movement of the heavenly bodies either affects that which takes place amongst the human beings on earth or they are an indication through which you can come to know what will happen on earth through observing and examining the movement of the heavenly bodies. So the Prophet made it clear that learning this knowledge it is one of the types of sihr. And as much as the person increases in learning such things, then he increases the learning of sihr, and likewise he increases in sinfulness. The Shaykh says two points derived from this hadith. The first of them is clarification that element tanjim, ilm and nujum, the science of examining the stars and the heavenly bodies and planets that it is one of the types of sihr. Number two, that a sihr yatajazza'a, yani that it is in parts. That is, sihr is not one thing, but it has divisions or types that it is divided into. This hadith and its relationship to the chapter under discussion, and bayan shayin min anwa' a sihr, it indicates that the study of the stars or the planets or heavenly bodies, astrology, he means here that it is a type of sihr. And the relationship of this hadith to tawheed is that this hadith indicates that the study of astrology is a type of sihr and the basis of sihr it is shirk. And the idea that the examining of the heavenly bodies through, through examining it, one can come to know that knowledge which belongs to Allah alone. This is shirk. And likewise, the idea that the movement of the heavenly bodies affects or have some influence over the heavenly over the the actions or the lives of the human beings on earth, this is also shirk because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone is the one who has power over what happens in our lives. Remember Shaykh before going to the next evidence, he makes a note here that an attempt to understand something about the unknown, to discover some things of the unknown through physical examination or study. Uh, like those who do research or search into out of space and other such similar things, this is not considered as a sihr. And perhaps here, uh, a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen rahimahullah mentions in his Sharh Kitab Tawheed al Qawl al Mufid that the study of the planets or the heavenly bodies is divided into two types that which is permissible and that which is haram. What we have been talking about is astrology, astrology, and that is the haram type. He said that the permissible of it is that which one comes to know by physical observation. 
and one can come to know something from examining, for example, the sun or the moon or the stars. We come to know the times of the Salat or the direction of the Qibla and so on. Yani travelers at sea, they can come to know the direction by looking at the stars, the constellations, from knowing the placement of the stars in the sky and the different constellations, they can know which direction they are traveling in, and likewise those who are traveling on land or across the desert, and the times of the Salat and so on can be determined by the observation, physical observation of heavenly bodies. This is what is known today as astronomy. So the Shaykh is saying here that the study of the heavenly bodies is divided into two types. One of them is permissible, that is astronomy. The physical observation of heavenly bodies in order to determine the direction of things or time and so on. While that which those who study the heavenly bodies in order to know the events that will take place in the future, what will happen when the rain will come or winds, and to uncover the secrets of the unseen that belong to Allah alone, that no one knows except Allah alone. This uh, type of study and the, and the knowledge that they claim to uncover through it, it is false and it is rejected. And this is what uh, is mentioned here under the title of Al-Sihr. The third evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is a hadith reported by Imam Al-Nasai in his Sunan. And this hadith also is a hadith about which there is a difference of opinion concerning its authenticity. Al-Munzari says in Al-Sarghib that it has been reported by Al-Nasai from the narration of Al-Hasan Al-Basri from Abu Hurairah. رضي الله عنه ولم يسمع منه عند الجمهور يعني ذا الحسن البصري ذا تابعي رحمه الله according to the majority of the scholars of hadith did not hear any hadith from Abu Hurairah so the chain of this is not from Hassan al-Basri to Abu Hurairah from the Prophet according to those who said that Hassan al-Basri didn't hear from Abu Hurairah and that's the majority then that means that the hadith would be defective his mursal this is the narration of a tabi from the Prophet in which case it would be rejected. However, Imam al-Zahbi, rahimahullah, in Mizan, in his book of the narrators, or the biographies of the narrators of hadith, said, هذا الحديث, and he also agreed, saying, هذا الحديث لا يصلح للين عباد, meaning عباد المنقري, that this hadith is not acceptable due to the weakness of the narrator عباد, Al-Munqari Wa-Inqita'ihi And also due to the break in the chain Yani there's a weak narrator And it's like and, and likewise there's a break in the chain Meaning The break between Al-Hasan al-Basri And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam One of the scholars Of the people of Sunnah One of the great scholars of Hadith Ibn Muhlih In his book Al-Adab Said mentions that this hadith it is Hassan and he declared it to be Hassan while it was reported by Abdul Razak in his book Al-Musannaf from Al-Hassan Mursalan yani as a Mursal hadith meaning with a break in the chain after the Tabi'i uh, and other scholars said that this hadith originally it is Mursal however Abbad yani the narrator who is lean who has some small weakness, but he is the one who made the mistake. While in fact the hadith was Mursal, but he narrated it, Mosul, and it was a complete chain, adding Abu Huraira to the chain, so that the chain became complete. One of the contemporary scholars, the Shaykh al-Bani, rahimahullah, in the Jami al-Saghir, in the Da'if of Jami al-Saghir, he declared this hadith to be weak, to be Da'if. In any case, as we said in the beginning, there is some difference of opinion concerning this hadith, whether it is weak, or whether it is Hassan, and the stronger opinion, and Allah knows best, is that the hadith is da'if. However, the weakness of this hadith is not that severe. In any case, we shouldn't use it as a definite proof or make our foundation upon this hadith alone, but we should look to other, other evidences such as that which is narrated in the Quran concerning what will be mentioned in this hadith and otherwise. Imam al-Nasai narrates this hadith from Abu Hurairah. رضي الله عنه من عقد عقدة 
And whoever ties a knot in a rope or string or something, and then he blows in it, blows in it with breath, including some, uh, and he moistened breath, like some light spit or spittle. Whoever ties knots and then blows into it, and of course he means here, blows into it, he's talking about the sihr of the sahir or the, uh, the soothsayers or magicians or sorcerers. After seeking help from the shayateen and saying the words, of shirk that are required in order to get the help from the shayateen and the evil jinn and whoever ties these knots and then to those words which they, which they learn from the knowledge of sihr magic that bring forth the presence of the shayateen and seek their help to accomplish one's goal whoever does so with this objective in this, in this manner faqad sahar then indeed he has engaged in magic وَمَنْ sahara faqad ashraka and whoever engaged in magic he has fallen into shirk and here, وَمَنْ سَحَرَ فَقَدْ أَشْرَقَ Whoever engaged in magic has engaged in shirk. He means in this type of magic. Yani the magic that involves the use of shayateen and the recitation of words of shirk and so on. This is yani the, the sihr that he is talking about which is shirk as opposed to another type of sihr which is in reality sihr but it's not the sihr that involves the use of shayateen or any acts of shirk and therefore it is not uh, kufr or shirk and the person who engage in it though he is a sinner and it is a major sin and it is haram but he is not a mushrik however this type of shirk which engage or this type of shirk which engages or involves kufr and shirk the one who engages in it he is a mushrik and in learning sihr is shirk and kufr so the one who does this before he can do it he had to learn it he already became a mushrik even before he practiced it because the learning of sihr is also kufr and shirk and then when he engaged in it for sure is clear that he is a mushrik. وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ شَيْئًا وُقِلَ إِلَيْهِ And the second part of the hadith وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ شَيْئًا وُقِلَ إِلَيْهِ And the meaning of this that whoever wears and whoever ties something to himself tie around his neck a rope or string or something such as a tamima amulet or talisman whoever ties these things thinking that they can protect one from harm or that they can bring some benefit. Or whoever depends on anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection from harm or achieving some good, whoever does so, whether it is by tying something or having a belief that something or someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the ability to bring them some good or to protect them from some harm, then this person, they will be left to that which they have depended upon. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will abandon them and they will be left to that thing which they have depended upon and they have put their trust in and they have become pleased with they will be left to that thing and of course anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be completely unable and incapable of doing anything for them so whoever depends on something other than Allah they put their trust in other than Allah then they will be left to that thing that they have trusted in and they will be abandoned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the shaykh says in the meaning of this hadith that here the Prophet ﷺ has informed us that whoever attempts to engage in any kind of magic uh, and here he is referring to in this hadith he refers to the one who ties knots in strings or rope in order to engage in magic and then blows into those knots that breath which also is accompanied or mixed with the saliva from their mouth and they're seeking help and assistance from the evil spirits, the shayateen and the person who does so is considered as a sahir a magician or sorcerer and whoever engages in sihr then that person is considered as a mushrik, pagan disbeliever and that is because sihr no one is able to uh, engage it or to achieve any benefit from it except through the means of engaging in practices or uh, pronouncing words of shirk doing such things that the shayateen uh, will be pleased with them for and in that way they will help them uh, and the second part of the hadith he said the meaning of it is that whoever relies on something then his affair will be given to the care of that thing which he has relied upon and whoever puts his trust or attaches his heart and his hope 
in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be sufficient for him while whoever turns to the creatures whether the magicians or others then they will only bring them evil in this world and the next life uh, and this is the end result will be the opposite of what they intended and if they turn to them to get some benefit indeed they will only harm will come to them and if they think that they will protect them from harm on the contrary they will bring to them harm but whoever relies on other than Allah uh, then this will be their condition while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient for his servants benefits from this hadith the shaykh mentioned six of them the first of them is the prohibition of attempting to engage in magic the second of is that blowing in the knot is a type of sihr the third of them and by the way this is mentioned in surah al-falaq uh, those who blow into the knot yani, as being a type of a sihr and it is kufr and shirk and although in that time it was primarily engaged in by women, however, whoever does it, whether male or female, fall under the same ruling. Number three, clarification that the sahir of this type, the one who engages in sihr, that involves shirk in practices or speech, uh, that such a person is a mushrik pagan. Number of the prohibition of attaching one's heart or hope or depending upon other than Allah. And that whoever depends on other than Allah, number five, whoever depends on other than Allah, he will be abandoned by Allah. And he will be left to that which he has depended upon. And number six, whoever depended upon Allah, then Allah will be sufficient for him. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and the clarification of some of the matters of the types of al-sihr is that this hadith makes it clear that tying knots and blowing in them is a type of sihr. And likewise, the relationship of this hadith to the book of Tawheed is that the hadith makes it clear that the one who engages in such things is a sahir and a sahir is a mushrik and one who has invalidated the Tawheed. The fourth evidence of the Shaykh, Rahimahullah, and this one and the last one, the fifth one, are two types of sihr which are almost not known to anyone as being sihr. And likewise, there are two types of sihr which do not share in the ruling of being kufr and shirk and that the one who engages in it should be killed or the one who engages in it is the mushrik. But nonetheless, they are sihr. As it is authentically reported from the Prophet ﷺ, the first of them is namima and the second of them is al-bayyan, any eloquent speech. The first of them is reported in the hadith of Abdullah ibn, of ibn Mas'ud, that is Abdul Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, and the Rasulullah qal, Allah هل أنبئكم ما العبه 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 يعني in some of the narrations العضا but the most common narration among scholars of hadith is أضح ألا هل أنبئكم ما الأضح أضح in the sharp كتاب التغيير in this translation the word has been written as أضفا incorrectly it should be أضح يعني عين فتحة ضاد سكون Ha Abhu. The Prophet asked the question and then he answered, Here and Namima Al Qaila Al Abhu it is an Namima conveying rumors for the purpose of causing disputes between the people. It is an Namima Al Qaila Nas. Yani that Namima or rumors which are widespread amongst the people, someone carrying something from one person to another in order to cause disputes and friction and separation and division and hatred between the people through some words that he mentions he carries from one to another whether it is truthful or falsehood whether it is truthful or falsehood the intention behind it is to cause division as magic one of the uh, purposes of sihr is to cause division tafriq bain al-nas or division between a man and his wife likewise and namima it is its objective is to cause separation or division and dispute and hatred and enmity between the people. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Shall I not inform you what is? Abhu, he said, it is an namima Al-Qa'ila bain al-Nas. Rawahu Muslim. Reported by Alimah Muslim. Uh, the Shaykh says concerning this hadith that 
sent asking a question often causes the listener, the one who is being spoke to, spoken to, to, uh, uh, to awaken or to give their attention because they want to know what is the answer to that question. For this reason, the Prophet asked the question of his companions, what is the manner, what is the meaning of al-abhu? And then he answered himself, saying that it is al-namima, and that is because al-namima, <coughs> uh, it is from al-buhtan, yani falsehood, lies. Uh, and its intention is to cause harm amongst the people. From amongst that, it is causing separation between those who are close to one another and severing the ties between those who are related to one another and it fills the heart with hatred and jealousy and evil for one person towards another. And this is well known as it has been seen amongst the people in our daily lives. Some of the scholars said that if, if the rumor that they carried was a lie, then it is, uh, it is slander as well as it is any tale carrying and if it is true then it is namima and in both and both of them are yani, prohibited both of them are haram the benefits from this hadith is that asking a question as a means of teaching is one of the ways of Islamic education and asking a question to get the attention of the listeners and then answering the question uh, after getting their attention number two the prohibition of al-namima and that it is of the kabair that al-namima tail carrying for the purpose of causing dispute or disruption between the people or dividing or separating the people or severing ties of relations is a kabira, a major sin and the relationship between this hadith and the chapter under discussion is that al-namima is a type of sihr and that is because al-namima it has the same effect that a sihr has if not more effective and that is because a sihr it affects the people while is something the cause of that effect is not seen in sihr and likewise the cause of that effect is not seen seen in al-namima however uh, even though the reason or the cause is not seen the effect yani, is present just like in al-sihr yani, the relationship between them is that both of them have an effect while its cause is not seen uh, here the sheikh makes a note and he said that the one who, who carries tails and namima is not to be declared a kafir nor is there ruling upon him that he should be killed however the kufr of the one who practices magic and the ruling that they should be killed and the ruling that that the one who practices the other type of magic which involves the use of shayateen and the invocations of shirk and so on and in the ruling that that is kufr and that person should be killed is because of the use of shirk and he means engaging in shirk while it is not so for an namima that the person who engages in namima falls into a major sin uh, it is a, a kabira however it is not shirk or kufr the last evidence what is the time? huh? 7.45? oh inshallah good time uh, the last evidence that the Shaykh mentions is a hadith reported by Bukhari and Muslim. He said, وَلَهُمَا مِنِي and Bukhari and Muslim and Ibn Umar رضي الله عنهما May Allah be pleased with him and his father أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ إِنَّ مِنَ الْبَيَّانِ لَسِحْرًا That the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that from يعني, a part of al-bayan and from al-bayan, in some cases al-bayan, eloquent speech constitutes a sihr, constitutes magic or sorcery. Yani in some cases, al-bayan, eloquent speech, it is the ability of a person to express that which is within their selves. The person wants to express that which is within himself and they have the ability to express it in a very clear way so that they affect the heart and the minds of the people who listen to them because of the perfection of their language, the clarity uh, and their the expertise in being able to express themselves. This is called al-bayan. Al-bayan is of two types, that which is used for good, yani to clarify the truth 
and to show the falsehood of that which opposes the truth and the other type which is referred to here is the bayan which is used to make the falsehood appear to be good to make falsehood appear to be truth and to make the truth to appear to be falsehood uh, the shaykh says in the meaning of this hadith that the prophet وسلم, has made a comparison between some types of al-bayan some types of al-fasaha and balagha yani in the arabic language and balagha and fasaha means that the person has a great ability to express themselves by the language by using the perfect classical pure arabic language uh, he said that some types of al-bayan it is sihr magic or sorcery and this is this was a means of blaming the one who engages in such to al-bayan in a blameworthy matter in a blameworthy manner in that yani it is used as sihr is used to affect the people's minds and their hearts in a way that is undetectable yani the people hear the speech and they don't detect the effect that it has on them but it moves them either to change their mind to do something that they didn't intend to do or to abandon something that they intended to do or to engage in something that they wouldn't have engaged in except due to the fact of that speech which affected them due to its any eloquence the eloquence of the speaker so here the shaykh uh, says that the prophet sallallahu has compared some types of bayan to sihr and it is he meant it in a blameworthy manner as some of the people who are any able to express themselves well they used it for falsehood uh, to make falsehood to appear to be correct and to make it look good while they try to uh, to negate the truth and to make it yani, seem evil or ugly and in this way they are able to throw the sand or the dust into the eyes of the people yani, to blind them to the reality and they are able to uh, take the rights of the people through falsehood and through their speech and he closes by saying that those who attended the disputes in the courthouses and in other places they will see the truthfulness of this hadith in the effect that those who are eloquent in speech the effect that they have in sometimes taking the rights from those who are do them and giving to those who are not do them and the opposite the benefits of this hadith he mentions too the first of them the prohibition of some types of bayan and that is the one in which a person intends by it to nullify or to negate the truth <coughs> and to make the falsehood to seem right the second of them uh, the second benefit of this hadith is that in it there is a comparison between some types of bayan eloquent speech and sihr yani declaring it to be blameworthy the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion <coughs> the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates that some types of eloquent speech is a type is included as a part of sihr sorcery or magic and that is because it causes the heart to incline to something just as sihr causes the heart to incline to other than what it was inclined to this is the end of any uh, this chapter and just quickly we can look at the misail which are not included in the shah the misail of sheikh muhammad ibn abdul wahab at the end of this chapter uh, there are six and sheikh muhammad ibn salih al-thaymeen rahimahullah has given a brief explanation to a few of them the first of them the first issue is that these three things that they are part of jibt that is they are types or practices of shaitan or they are types of sihr sorcery or magic and the second issue is that 
علم النجوم نوع من السحر يعني that the study of the heavenly bodies astrology not astronomy علم النجوم والتنجيم that it is a type of سحر in that the people claim through it that uh, the movement of the heavenly bodies in some way that is unknown or unseen uh, has some effect on human life uh, on the activity on what takes place on this earth or that through the examination of the heavenly bodies people can know what will happen in the future and this knowledge of the unseen or this power over what happens in this world are from the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and therefore whoever believes such they have violated a tawheed um, that is the third issue, I'm sorry. The second issue is the explanation of Ayafa and Farq, any which have already been explained. Uh, Al-Ayafa is similar to Al-Tiyara, both of them. And Al-Ayafa is the movement of birds, or the flight of birds and the direction that they take, going right or left, or forward or backward. In some way, this claim that they are an indication of good or bad, and a person would act in accordance with what yani the good omen or evil omen that they see from the movement of the birds and likewise a theora is similar except that it is not limited to birds but it is the seeing of anything or the hearing of some sound or certain times or places are considered as bad omens uh, and all of this has no basis in the sharia no any basis in any sound rational thinking and likewise a tharq yani it is engaging in magic through drawing of lines on the sand or soil or using the drawing of these lines in some way they claim that they can uh, uncover the hidden or that they can come to know something from the helm al-ghayb the knowledge of the unseen which is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone the fourth issue remember Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab says al-aqdu al-aqdu ma'a an-nafsi min dhalik Yani tying knots and then blowing it in it, it is from that, it is from a sihr. And here the shaykh he says that this is based on the hadith of Abu Huraira, Man aqada uqdatan, yani whoever ties knots and then blows into it, taqad sahara, then he has engaged in magic. And the explanation of this has preceded. The fifth issue, anna namimata min dhalika, that also an namima tail bearing, is also a part of that, yani a sihr, and this is based on the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud. رضي الله عنه where the Prophet ﷺ said shall I not inform you what is العده وعده عضه he said according to the different readings it is النميمه uh, and this is considered as a type of sihr because through this namima the person is able to do what the magician does through a sihr that is causing division and dispute between the people and causing anger and hatred and enmity between the people as has been explained number six the last issue anna min dhalika ba'du al-fasaha yani that also of the types of al-sihr yani the second type of sihr which is fisk, sinful but it's not kufr and shirk uh, also from that sihr is eloquent speech or some some yani cases in some cases eloquent eloquent speech is that as the Prophet sallallahu said inna min al bayan yani some of the types of bayan la sihran is sihr and here uh, the Sheikh says that the author yani Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin rahimahullah says that the author <coughs> declared this yani that al bayan in some cases is sihr because he understood that min here in the expression inna min al bayan min is lit sab'id that means, and it means that some of them, ba'du, ba'du, some of the bayan, not all of it, some of it is sihr. And he said that the way in this is understood is because the lisan al-balig, the bayan, yani the tongue of the person who is, yani who can speak with balaga, yani eloquent speech, and pure, yani, yani can make clear what he wants to say in a precise way that this person is able to turn the people from that which they wanted to do or to cause them to do that which they had yani to incite them or excite them to do that which they didn't have intention to do uh, due to his ability to speak eloquently this is the end of the material and uh, here inshallah we can take the questions uh, at the end of the handout
before taking those questions, if there are any comments or corrections or questions from the brothers or the sisters, I think we have a few moments. Now, Fadl. According to, yani, it is, and in the opinion of some of the scholars, they are da'if, and we believe, and Allah knows best, that that is the stronger opinion. While some of the reliable, legitimate scholars of hadith and the people of Sunnah have declared them to be hasan. Naam. What is the what? Naam. Yani, what is understood from this hadith, for example, the first hadith which talks about al-ayyafa wa-tarq wa-tiyara. Indeed, the foundations, the qawaid al-'ama in Islam make us to know that the belief that the movement of a bird, the direction that it flies in, has no basis in Islam. There is no dalil shari for it. And in other words, to believe that their movement in some way predicts the future has no basis in Islam originally, yani aside from this hadith. The, the, yani that which will happen in the future is only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not known to birds or animals or creatures. And it is not known by the movement of birds. It is known by revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, it is not known except to him. And the knowledge of the future, ilm al-ghayb, is only known to Allah. And it cannot be known to anyone. This is a, a basic principle in Islam. So even aside from this hadith, the people who claim such, that through uh, drawing lines, that they can come to know ilm al-ghayb, that belongs to Allah alone, it is rejected in Islam. Because it is a basic principle in Islam, from the tawheed of asma wa sifat that the knowledge of the unseen belongs to Allah alone. So whoever claims otherwise, it is rejected. And it is a fundamental principle. The, the proofs concerning yani, the fact that the knowledge of the unseen belongs to Allah alone are many. There are many. Here, this is a specific proof concerning ayyafa. But however, even if the hadith, if we take the opinion, the strong opinion that it is da'if, still, we know that it is false. Al-ayyafa is false. Because the knowledge of the unseen is known to Allah alone. And no one can predict the future. Yani only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can reveal it to those who He reveals it to of the prophets and messengers and so on. As for the third hadith, the saying of Nat, that it is sihr, it is mentioned in the Quran, in Surah Al-Falaq. And likewise, the idea of relying on other than Allah, tawakkul ala Allah, is a basic principle in Islam. Whoever relies on other than Allah, anyone or anything other than Allah, whether it is by tying strings or wearing a metal band or wearing something which has Quran written on it or otherwise around someone's neck or tied to one's arm or whatever, all of this, any except the any tamima that is from the Quran, there's difference of opinion amongst the scholars. However, the correct opinion and the stronger opinion and the safer opinion is that all of it is rejected because the protection from harm and the achieving of good is only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. All of this is a violation of tawheed based on innumerable evidences from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah and therefore even aside from these hadith, aside from them it becomes clear to us that the, what is understood from these hadith it is correct from other yani, proofs and from basic principles of Islam and that these things are violation of the basics of Tawheed the idea that anyone or anything can protect you or cause harm to you or bring you any good uh, or that you can come to know something from the ilm al-ghayb, the knowledge of the unseen which belongs to Allah alone, all of this is rejected basically in Islam so we say then that yani, uh, those who consider these hadith to be hasan or acceptable then they use these as a, a specific proof and those who didn't accept them as being sahih yani, having doubt about their authenticity due to some weakness in the chain or defect in any of the narrators not declaring absolutely that they are false but that they are weak, they are questionable, and therefore we don't use them as a proof, then we use the basic qawaid, al-qawaid, al-amr, the fundamental principles of Islam, that these things are violations of tawheed, and therefore they are to be rejected. Now, which hadith? These two hadith only we are talking about. Now, now, now. But there are other, but there are ayats there are ayats in the Quran that also talk about these things. So of course the proof will be the other evidence, whether it's specifically mentioned in the Quran or general principles that are established that uh, that Tawheed is founded upon. Yani the things that are mentioned here are primarily two things. Number one, 
the knowledge of the unseen and number two that something other than Allah has some effect or some control over what is happening in the universe and that is these are clear violations that every Muslim knows that cannot be accepted and they are violations of Tawheed Tawheed al-Rububiyyah wa Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat the weather forecasting in any case in any case it comes any partially it might be looked at partially under the idea of studying the physical any movement or physical activity in the heavens and the universe and uh, you know the following of clouds and uh, study of clouds and how they function how they formulate and what causes you know the rain to come forth from them and someone might say that it is expected that it will rain today from looking at those signs inshallah this is the way of the people of Tawheed as for the other people I mean, they might say they predict that it will rain and that this will happen and that will happen and as we know I mean, the fact of the matter is that many of their weather predictions don't come true because even if the signs are there it is only Allah that allows those things to be effective and Allah may cause it to happen or not to happen as he will so the way of the people of Tawheed is to say that after studying the physical phenomenon that it is expected and it is likely and it is possible that it may rain or there may be a storm or there may be such and so and whatever inshallah if Allah will so participating in any way is rejected and he, uh, participating in it the one who engages in it the one who engages in it the one who sits and watches it the one who plays with it the one who learns it whatever all of it is rejected and a Muslim shouldn't engage in that which is forbidden, that which is haram. Whether it is of the magic that is shirk or the magic that is sinful. In either case, the Muslim shouldn't sit in the place where sin is being committed. They shouldn't sit in a place where uh, the Quran is being spoken against or Islam is being uh, any, uh, spoken evil of or so on. And it is uh, sinful. The believer should leave the place where such is taking place. Of whatever type it is. If it is shirk and kufr, then I mean, it is worse. But even if it is less than that, huh? Any tricks you are talking about? Allahu alam. In any case, the people who want to trick and deceive the human being to make something seem other than its reality, is this acceptable? Is this acceptable that people should distort the reality? and try to make falsehood reality. Is it acceptable for a Muslim? It is not acceptable. Even if it is by trickery, it is also not acceptable. And Allah knows best. And the questions, quickly. How, what time is it? 8.05? Okay, just five minutes quickly. If anybody wants to answer the questions, you may answer them. Define al-iyafa, al-tarq, and al-tiyara. And if the definition of these words are found, in the uh, in the translation of the hadith al-iyafa putting birds in flight to determine whether something will be good or bad in terms of future events and in the direction of the bird will determine whether you should do or not do a tarq drawing lines in the sand or soil for purposes of magic and in some way they are able to do affect some person physically or mentally or otherwise through drawing these lines just as they use magic by giving somebody something to eat or drink or other things that they do tying knots or whatever Likewise, this is a type of magic and it is also used to uncover the hidden or to discover the divine secrets, meaning the knowledge of the unseen. Atiyara is taking something seen or heard or certain times of the year or certain times of the day or whatever or places as bad omens. Why are these acts considered as a part of sihr? Because all of them, they all of them include, they all of them include having, yani, uh, they all include yani, that the cause of something. They claim that the cause of something it is caused by something unseen, yani undetectable. Yani magic, the general meaning of magic is that whose cause is undetectable, unseen. And likewise, the cause, as they claim, the cause of these things is something unseen. It is not detectable to know how these things are able to determine the unseen, the knowledge of the unseen, or how they are able to affect people. What is the legal ruling concerning learning Elm and Nujum, the study of the heavenly bodies, and Tanjim, or astro- astrology, or astronomy? Yani Elm and Nujum, it could include both both astrology and astronomy if we're talking about astrology they claim that the heavenly bodies and their movements indicate 
or you can know something about the future, or they have an effect on the actions of the creatures on earth, then this is, the, the ruling concerning it is that it is learning it and teaching it and engaging it, it is haram. But if we are talking about the other types, then yani astronomy, it is permissible. Is it true that every type of sahir, magician, is a mushrik, pagan disbeliever? No. Because there are different types of sihr, sihr which is kufr, and sihr which is fisk, sinful, disobedience to Allah. And therefore not every sahir, not every person who engages in sihr, yani in the general meaning of the word, but the one who engages in the sihr which involves the use of shayateen and the recitation of incantations or words that include shirk, then this one is a kafir, mushrik, pagan. What is the condition of the person who wears a tamima, amulet or talisman, or whoever relies on something or depends on something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect them from harm or bring them any good? The condition of that person is that they would be abandoned by Allah and they will be left to that thing which they relied upon. If they wear a talisman and a tamima, then they will be left to that tamima to protect them or to help them and it will not be able to do anything. Yani they, the condition of that person is that they will be left to that thing and they will be abandoned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is meant by al-adhu wa ida and how is it considered al-sihr? It is al-adhu, it is al-namima, tail-bearing. And for the purpose of causing disputes and separation between the people, and it is considered al-sihr because it has the same effect as sihr, in affecting the human beings and causing dispute and separation between them. What are the two types of al-bayan? The two types of al-bayan is that which is praiseworthy and that which is blameworthy. The praiseworthy type is when a person uses it in order to clarify and establish the truth. And the blameworthy one is when someone uses it to make falsehood seem as though it is good, or though it is true, and to nullify the truth. Uh, why is al-bayan eloquent speech sometimes considered as sihr Yani, it is considered as sihr in that it has an effect which is unseen. Yani, the cause of its effect is not seen. The person who uses eloquent speech can affect the hearts and minds of the people in a way that is not uh, noticeable, it's not detectable, it's just words and yet it causes somebody to move or to stop or to change their mind and so on uh, in, an, in an unseen way just as sihr affects the people in an unseen way. Mention some of the fawaid benefits that might be derived from the evidence of this chapter and under each evidence we mention the fawaid. Now, Hypnotherapy, wallahi, I don't know. I don't know that much about it, but uh, it requires some investigation. Allahu alam. Naam. Naam. Why is why is it haram? Because it causes harm and it brings evil. It causes harm to people. It causes some people to become sick, and it causes death. It causes some people to die, and it only makes any confusion and separation and discord amongst the people. So it is something evil. That's why it is haram. All things that are evil, Allah has made them haram. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.